Money FM 89.3. Best of breakfast. Morning shot. Welcome to the breakfast show, folks. This is Morning Shot with me, Imad Akhtar. Come November, China will be holding a nationwide population survey that's aimed at helping the country plan its population policies. It's an unexpected poll as authorities struggle to boost the country's declining birth rate. Now, according to state media reports, the survey will focus on urban and rural areas throughout the country, but the number of people who will be surveyed was not specified. A government surveying agency will go to households to collect the data or ask respondents to fill out the questions online. For more insights, we're joined by social demographer and family sociologist Yun Zhou, who is an assistant professor from the Faculty of Sociology at the University of Michigan. Welcome to the show, Professor. Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. Professor, China last conducted this kind of census almost three years ago in November 2020, which showed the slowest growth pace since its first modern population survey, which was held in the 1950s. So what would you say is the significance of this upcoming survey, bearing in mind that we don't yet know the number of people that will be surveyed? And what kind of comparison should we be looking out for here? Yeah, so uh, population census provides a complete enumeration of every individual living in the country at the survey time. So often for census, it is a time-intensive and resource-intensive undertaking. For most countries that conduct population census, it is often conducted every 10 years. China does it every 10 years, and so does Singapore. So for population census, oftentimes it's hard to get to the most recent and the most up-to-date information. The sample survey in November is unlike a population census in that it does not look at or does not account for every single individual. Rather, you will take a sample of the total population. And the advantage of doing that is it can be conducted in a shorter time frame. Um, so it also provides a more up-to-date information about China's population structure and population composition. Okay. Now, according to local Chinese media reports, the survey is going to be focusing on urban and rural areas through the country. Can you help us better understand, Professor, how these surveys are conducted? And can you give us examples, perhaps, of the questions that are typically asked? Yeah, so for population sample survey, it collects what we call vital statistics. Mm. So it will collect, and this November 1, uh, 2, will collect information on individuals' births, deaths, marriage. And for this one in particular, state media report indicated that it will also collect information on childbearing, as well as migration and employment and housing situation, as well as individuals' education and ethnicity. Mm. Okay, that's quite a wide span of topic areas. Now, as with any survey, accuracy is key. There's a huge focus on that these days. In China's case, given that they're so huge, to what extent will such a survey be effective in understanding the real changes in population? And what would you say is the margin for error? That's a great question. We like to say that if we have complete information on everybody all the time, there will be no need for statistics. Um, just from a survey perspective, collecting sample survey rather than census is a 
um, conventional and customary approach in getting information about the population, mm. provided that the sample sampling strategy and data analysis is done appropriately. So I myself is also on the lookout to gain more information about the nitty-gritty of the sampling strategy about this November survey. And I think having a clear understanding or having clear information about exactly how those households are sampled would be crucial for China watchers or demographers working on China to learn to what extent um, can we draw inference about China's broader picture of its population. Mm. All right. Now, we know one of the primary reasons this survey is being conducted is because of China's declining birth rate and the widespread concerns more broadly of citizens on the difficulties of raising children. What sort of policy changes do you think are needed in order to remedy the root cause, shall we say, of falling birth rates? Yeah. So in my own research, and I think a lot of the uh, journalistic writings and scholarly writings that look at China's declining fertility have highlighted a myriad of reasoning that underpins individuals and especially women's hesitancy toward having children. But it's important to bear in mind when we consider low fertility or the declining birth rate as a problem, um, it's crucial to keep in mind whether it's a problem, if it's a problem, it's a problem for whom. And individuals' childbirth decisions are inherently a future-orienting act. And individuals make childbearing decisions taking into consideration a host of reasoning constraints, some of them financial, some of them time constraints. And for Chinese women in particular, often they discuss the incompatible demands and dual burdens of child rearing on on the one hand and employment and having an equal chance at employment on the other. All right. If you're just joining us, we're in conversation with social demographer and family sociologist Yun Zhou, who is an assistant professor from the Faculty of Sociology at the University of Michigan. We're talking about a nationwide population survey that China will be conducting next month that is aimed at helping the country plan its population policies. This is, of course, against the backdrop of authorities' struggles to boost its declining birth rate. Professor, we understand that authorities have increased the rhetoric surrounding the sharing of child-rearing duties. But that being said, paternity leave happens to still be limited in most provinces. Now, China is ahead of other countries in many aspects. But on this front, what would you point out as the key challenges behind changing traditional mindsets around maternal versus paternal duties? And what kind of support needs to be injected beyond paternity leave? That's the million-dollar question, isn't it? China's child-rearing policies at its core still very much treat women as the primary childcare provider. So as you pointed out, China's paternity leave lack in both length and consistency as compared to the often lengthy maternity leave. And that disparity holds adverse implications as the women confront gendered discriminations in the labor market. At the same time, there's a gender gap in retirement age in China as well. So in many ways, from the state policies to familial expectations and family norms, women are still to this day viewed as the primary care providers in the women's realm are still largely treated as being in the privacy sphere at home. 
So in, in that sense, for contemporary Chinese women, especially contemporary young Chinese women, they are confronted with this situation in that they are expected to care for the child and they're expected and they want to work, thereby creating the dual burdens or the dual demands. Right, Professor, we've not seen any major policy changes in recent months, but let's say hypothetically if China were to be successful in reversing this trend of falling birth rates, what kind of future effects might we see? A baby boom, an economic bust, perhaps somewhere in between, and what implications might these effects have on the rest of the world? That's a great question. Um, And I think it's also important for us to keep in mind that China is by no means the only country in the world that is experiencing low fertility. And we have seen declining and persistently low birth rate in a range of countries from East Asia to Southern Europe. And oftentimes, scholars have found that when birth rates decline, it's often very difficult for the decline to be reversed. So China, over the past months and years, has put forth a series of pro-midless policies aimed at incentivizing birth, often to little effect. So some of the policies are focused on providing childcare, some are focused on providing monetary incentives in certain cases. But from experiences from other countries, um, we also know that individuals make childbearing decisions under a host of conditions and constraints that bear without any fundamental structural changes that would boost uh, the sense of well-being and security. Those single-focus policies often have very little effect in achieving its intended goal of incentivizing birth. All right, it'll be interesting to see what the wide-ranging impacts of this survey are. Professor Zhou, thank you so much for your time this morning. Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. We've been in conversation with social demographer and family sociologist Yun Zhou, who is an assistant professor from the Faculty of Sociology at the University of Michigan. We've been discussing a nationwide population survey that China will be conducting next month, the first one they've done in three years, aimed at helping the country plan its population policies. Stay with Money FM 89.3. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg. Or download the audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Audio at the App Store and Google Play.